Um, I'm excited about this morning because I, I don't like it when I don't like like stale sermons. Like I want everything to be driven by Logos and Rama, but the Rama part is God said, have, "I've given Steve a Christmas message; have him speak it." And so, what I'm excited about this morning is this: this is from the Father, right. and this is not some memorized thing you've done. I mean, you're pastor for how many years? I've never talked about this. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And so, this this is not. Yeah. He didn't get this from Crossroads Annals no. <laughs> of the, the librarian that went and got it. So, in the name of Jesus, may you just preach with passion yeah. and fire and vigor. Yeah. Father, I ask that you minister to Steve as he just brings it. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, boy. Okie dokie. Glad to be here with you. Right before I start, let me say this. In 2018, on May 14, it's going to be a birthday. Somebody's going to be 70 years old. And this is going to be known not only here, but really around the world. This is going to be celebrated. Does anybody know what birthday that will be? It will be the birthday of the nation of Israel. 70 years old. 70 is a very significant number in the Bible. They were in captivity for 70 years. Now they've been free for 70 years. Pretty amazing the way this all works. But it's fascinating that over 1,900 years ago, they were dispersed, all the Jews. And it's the only nation in the history of the world that's ever come back to where they started, to the same land, with the same language. Never happened before in the history of the world. And that's going to be the 70th birthday in May. Well, guess what? In January of 2019, the elders have allowed us, the Bridgeway seniors of this church, to sponsor a trip to Israel. And some of you may want to go with us. If you've never been before, we're getting our seniors the first crack at this. We may have a couple of extra seats for some of you young bucks, too. If you would like to join us, and we'll talk more about that in the future, but you can be praying about that. We'll have some brochures in a few weeks. But if you've never been to that country, to get to see it for yourself with your own eyes will change the way you view everything. Okay, here we go into this talk today. Now, I've given a lot of Christmas talks as a pastor over 43 years, and many years as a lead pastor, I had to come up with sometimes four and sometimes five different Christmas talks for the season. And true confessions here. It was not my most favorite time of the year because I was thinking, what in the world am I going to tell these people they haven't already heard a zillion times, they haven't read about, they haven't heard about, they haven't sung songs about, what am I going to say to make any sense, to make any interest level, at least during the time of Christmas? And I used to kind of be paralyzed getting ready to prepare for all these things. Well, now I don't have to prepare much at all. And so when Chad asked me to do this, I just asked the Lord for one thing. And I felt like I got the one thing. So I'm going to share that one thing with you today. Well, I've heard lots of talks when I was a child, when I was growing up as a teenager, even as an adult and even as a young pastor, where people said, made statements like this to me. And it kind of buffaloed me. I scratched my head about it. Here's what they said. Something like this. They said, the Bible clearly states, and it clearly does in Isaiah, God will not share his glory with another. What the Bible says. Everybody agrees that in the Bible? Okay, that's what the Bible states. Now, when I think that people were stating that or reading that scriptures, what they were really meaning was this, that the speaker, the speaker making that comment wanted to quench any hint of human pride that we have in our own lives about ascribing to God what rightfully belongs to him. So we sing songs like we give him all the glory. You know, we did it last week. 
And we talk about that. There's nothing wrong with that. I can check the box off that, yeah, I can understand the reason for that, that we don't want to be proud about that. And God does deserve everything that he gets. And it comes from Isaiah 42, 8, which actually says this. Here's the verse on screen. I am the Lord, and that is my name. I will not give my glory to what? Another. Okay, the Bible teaches that. So I went back to study this word. What does this word glory actually mean? In Hebrew, it's kabod. In the New Testament, it's doxa. And so what that word means is weight or a, a heaviness that's associated with this word glory. Here's what else it means. It can indicate abundance. It can indicate wealth. It can indicate splendor, God's greatness and his beauty. It's all wrapped up in splendor and light. All those things are associated with that word. And the word is glory. Okay, put that word up there for me, the word glory. Let me show you that word, that picture, Harry. Put that picture up. Do we have that picture? We don't. Okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll move on with something else here, okay? Now, I want you to remember the story of Moses. Ta-da! That's what we're talking about. Okay, you can take it off. <laughs> <Let's>, uh, <laughs> boom. Okay, I want you to remember back in the Old Testament the story of Moses. Now, the Christmas story really doesn't begin in Luke chapter 2. It doesn't begin in Matthew chapter 1 at all. It really begins way a long time ago. And so it began, think about Moses and what happened to him. Children of Israel camped out at Mount Sinai. They had just left Egypt. They're going to be camped out there for two years. God's going to give them a couple of things while they're there at Mount Sinai. He's going to give them the plans to build the tabernacle, that portable house of worship. He's going to give Moses the Ten Commandments. He's going to come down. It's going to start that journey of the people migrating from Egypt, where they've been taken captive all the way back to their homeland in Israel. And that's what's happening in the story. So here's Moses now. He's on top of Mount Sinai. And here's the interesting thing. If you know the answer to this question, I want you to raise your hand. If you think you know the answer. If you don't, that's okay. Here's the question. How long do you think he was on top of Mount Sinai when he received the Ten Commandments? If you think you know the answer, just raise your hand. Let me see. A few of you do. Okay. Anybody want to give me the answer? What is it? How long? Yeah, 40 days and 40 nights. Now, as a kid, I had no clue about that. I thought he went up there. Here's a couple of rocks. Take them back. Do, do, do. Read them to the people. Hey. I had no idea he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. What do you think he was doing other than receiving the Ten Commandments? Maybe he was building deep friendship with the Father. Maybe God was teaching him a lot of stuff. He was basking in the presence of God for 40 days. What in the world was going on there? I don't know. I want to ask him one day. What were you doing up there for 40 days? It kind of intrigued me. But then God told him how pleased he was with him, which is always a wonderful thing. Most people don't really believe God's pleased with them. But Moses felt that pleasure. And then he asked God an unusual question. Here's what he said. God, you love me? Yes, I love you, Moses. Show me your glory. Well, Moses, we got a problem here. What's the problem? Nobody can look at me and live. Okay, Lord, we can just pass on that question. I don't believe we need to deal with that any longer. What do you mean nobody can look at you and live? Nobody can see me and live. Hey, but here's what God said. Here's what I'll do for you. See that cleft of the rock over there on Mount Sinai? I'm going to put you in that. You stand there and face the back of that mountain. And I'm going to pass by, and the, you'll see the back of me. And when you feel the presence of the back of me, that's the best I'll let you do. So Moses did that. 
What must that have felt like? You think he ever forgot that feeling? You think he ever forgot that presence, that weight, that heaviness? I imagine the light was so blinding, even when you closed your eyes, he probably could still see this blinding brilliance that passed by him. And that's an instance of Moses in glory, the power, the radiance there. When he came down, something was different about him that wasn't like that before. Something happened. Here's what it says in Exodus 24. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, (laughs) okay, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. When he came down, he was shining. His face was on fire. And the people saw it and they were terrified. Now, Chad preaches with a lot of passion, a lot of glory, a lot of power. But if he started preaching out here and you started seeing fire coming out of his face, I think you might say, well, what's happening up there? And so what he had to do, strange as it seems, the Bible says he had to get a veil. And for him to speak to the people, he had to throw it over his head and talk to them like this so they wouldn't be scared of him. And he probably taught the Ten Commandments to them like that. You know? I mean, that's kind of funny when you think about it. This guy with a veil over his head teaching you what God said. It's, an, it's almost it's too good to be true. It's a strange story. Now, that's what's going on. Now, Paul is going to make a mention of that in his letters a little bit later on in the day. I'm going to show you that. But I'm going to show you this now in Galatians 4.4 4, where it says this about Jesus coming. Here's what it says during the Christmas season. Galatians 4, 4, good. It says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem us under the law that we might receive the fullness of sons. This happened over a time period of over 2,000 years ago in the city of Bethlehem where God's glory appeared to some frightened shepherds. And it shone and it, it paralyzed them. And the weight of that probably knocked them to the ground. And they realized, what have we just seen? We're going to have to go do something about this. And here's what it says in Luke 2, 9, where you see that truth. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. Anytime this light shows up, people are in fear. People are in awe. People are on the ground. People are saying, whoa, I'm feeling and sensing something here that ain't normal. And that is when the glory of the Lord falls. Now, the apostle John would state it like this. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, here's what John said. So the word Jesus here became human and made his home among us, and he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen what? His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. The 33 years he was on planet Earth, the three years of public ministry, all he did was just deposit, what was in his life, deposited, he would reflect this glory to every person that he touched, whether he healed a person or taught a group or mentored the disciples. He was, he was just radiating his glory and his weight and radiance to them. And these people that saw him in the flesh got to experience it, which is an amazing thing. Okay, so we've said that the glory came down to Moses. Now the glory comes down to Jesus and his birth, and now the glory comes to guess who? I said I would reference Paul to you. Let's reference it, what Paul say about this glory. Here's what Paul says. He says, for the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So all of us who has had that veil removed, what's he talking about? 
Remember the story of Moses? He couldn't see it because it was covered up. He says, when you become a believer, you know what happens to the veil? It comes down. And what happened? That's that. And now they can see and reflect the glory of the, who can see and reflect the glory of the Lord? Us. The glory can be seen in our lives. Or you can still put the veil on. You can put this on, walk around like this as a believer the rest of your life. Not let anybody ever see it. You can. It's your choice. Jesus also made the reference of your light in your life. He said, I'm the light of the world. Now, you be the light of the world. Don't put your light under bushel. You can. You, you, can, you can walk around like that, or you can take it off. You can let your light shine. You can let glory shine. He said, all power is mine. I'm giving it to you. You can let power be demonstrated, or you can just hold on to power. All authority is mine. I'm giving you authority. You've got authority, power, light, and glory. That's pretty good news. My goodness. When I read it, I thought, goodness gracious. An amazing story. We got it. Now, what about this idea, though, that God doesn't share his glory with another? What's he talking about? How can we have glory, and how can that be true? Well, let's look at the whole verse in context. That always helps to see not just a little scripture here. I am the Lord. That's my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor share my praise with idols. What's he basically saying in that verse? I am the only God. There ain't no more. I'm not giving my glory to a Hindu statue. Not giving my glory to false gods. You go to Egypt today, you'll see 80-foot statues built of their mighty gods. God said, my glory ain't in that rock. That's what he's talking about in that verse. It's not, some scriptures, here's why people get a bit confused. Because of translators, they use certain words that sometimes confuse us. Some translations use the word here, I will not give my glory to anyone. Then we start thinking about people. But the better translation is that Hebrew word, another, speaking about idols. So that makes, hopefully, better sense to you today. But didn't Paul say he would share his glory in, in us and with us and through us? Yes. So did Jesus ever talk about this too? Yes. In his high priestly prayer, John 17, most famous prayer of Jesus before he was about to die for our sins, here's what Jesus said in these verses. He said, I am praying not only for these disciples, who are those guys, the 12 that were around him, 120 in the upper room, but also for all those who will ever believe in me. Who do you think that is? Us. Okay, now the next verse. I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world may believe you sent me. And then this verse is the eye-opener. Here's the aha. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. Did you walk in this room today thinking you possess glory? Or did you walk in this room thinking, I'm just a whole hangdog, look at me. I can't, I'm just a mess. I've been involved in so much stuff. I can't be used by the Lord. I, I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. Do you just walk around kind of, kind of like in a funk like that? Or do you walk around realizing as a Christ follower, you have been filled with his glory? And you either, let it, you either let it shine or you're going to put the veil over your head and not anybody see it. There have been many times in my life, believe you me, I've lived my life like this. Hello, I'm a pastor of a church. But I want to talk to you about nothing about that at this moment. I just want to eat my meal in peace and not talk to the waitress. I just want to, 
go about my life and not talk to the clerk in the grocery store. I just want to get home and take care of my stuff. Or do I want to shine the glory and let the glory out every chance that he gives me an opportunity? If you're not looking for it, you won't do a thing about it. And if you're looking for it, it will change everything about you. When did you get this glory? You get this glory when you put your faith and trust in Jesus. Look, here's a picture of my wife and myself. This is Becky. And here we are standing up on the Blue Ridge Parkway a few months ago. Drove up there and had lunch after church one day. That woman got married to me. And in four days, it will be 44 years, which is a long time. Whoa. Now... When she married me, she took my name. When she married me, she took my affection. When she married me, she took my time. When she married me, she took every dollar I've ever owned in my life, too. She took my money. But here's the thing. I freely am glad that I'm to give it to her. I want to give her my love. I want to give her my affection. I want to spend time with her. She said, I want to buy that. Here, here, you go buy that. You need that. Why? Because we're one. And when we said our vows to each other, that's the beautiful thing about a marriage. Two become one. And you begin to take on different characteristics of the other person in your relationship. And that's what's happened to us over all of this time. Two have become one. So we carry this glory in our family. We either reflect that to each other or we don't. There are a lot of times in our lives as a couple... uh, she says something, and I just do this. <laughs> Am I really demonstrating a godly and a good husband to her a lot of times? Oh, I've fallen so many times about that, I'm sure. But I tell you what, when I started thinking about this, why do I do it? And I started asking the Lord, what's the number one sin, Father, that I've struggled with most of my life? If I had to characterize and boil them all down... What would you think the father would have told me is the number one sin that I've struggled with? Let me confess and tell you what it is. Selfishness. Ooh. And I started thinking, you know what? Everybody's DNA is infected with selfishness. From the time you're born as a little child where it's all about me, me, me. The time you grow up and it's about me, me, me. And so that's part of our... The flesh of how we grow up, being concerned about ourselves above every other thing in life. So I thought, how do we change then? How do we let this glory show in our lives? How does it reflect out in my life? And I felt like God said three things you got to do. Number one, you got to stop being self-centered. How do I do that? I start esteeming others better than myself. I want to do X. Becky wants to do Y. Let's do Y. Why? I want to do that. I want to stop being self-centered. When I make those kind of choices, I can do that. Now, how am I even able to accomplish that? Because of number two. Because I want to always be father-centered. And when I have father-centeredness and letting glory shine out of my life, then, of course, I want to radiate it to others. Jesus came to serve and to be served. I mean, not, I mean he came to give his life, served us. He, gave, he got down and washed the disciples' feet. He demonstrated how low he could get with them. Do I do that with Becky? Do I do that with people around me? And then, number three, start being other-centered. When I want to really care about her and others. This starts as an act of humility. 
which will allow you to choose to let his glory radiate and shine out of you. Our purpose each week is not just to get together and hear a talk and sing songs and, and then hang around believers and then go home and say, wasn't it good to be with Christians today? Nothing wrong with this. We love it. It's a wonderful thing to do. Our purpose is to scatter when we walk out those doors and start letting light shine and letting glory shine so that people see Bridgeway Church not because we come to this building but because of who we are inside as we're impacting them in our daily lives. Wherever you're at school, you're at work, you're in a different place where you let glory shine. I'll close today to talk about one of my friends who do this. Started thinking, who shows glory well? I could have named lots and lots of people that I've known over my life. I've known a lot of wonderful people who are really good at this. But one person that God just brought to my mind and said, he probably in your life has made the most profound impact upon you than any other person. And he's a friend of mine named Dr. Stephen Real. Dr. Real was for 11 years the principal of Southside Christian School up on Woodruff Road and Highway 14. My three kids went to that Christian school where I worked at that school connected with that church for most of my ministry when I first came to Greenville. So my kids went to that school from K4 to 12th grade, all three of them. It was a great education. It was a great impact and influence on them as well. And Dr. Real was there just after they had kind of finished their high school time. But I went to see Dr. Real when he first moved to town from Columbia, introduced myself as one of the pastors here in town at City Church. At the time, it's called Crossroads Community Church. And I said, I would love to invite you to visit our church if you're looking for a church home. He said, we'll give it a try. Dr. Real and his wife, Melanie, they came to our church. They liked it. They joined our church. They became an active part of our congregation in those early days. He became a friend to me. We began to have lunch together, and I began to sense and see something about this guy's life that was very unique. And that is, he had so much glory in his life and so much light in his life, he couldn't help himself speaking about it, talking about it, blessing it, letting it go wherever I was with him at any given moment. And I watched him thinking, what a man is this? I remember asking the Lord, when I grow up, can I be like Dr. Real? Can, can, I, can I be like this guy? He became my golf partner, my golf buddy. We begin to play golf a lot. When I play golf with a lot of people, mostly what we talk about is how we made that putt, how we hit that shot in the woods, how we did on that. That was a great drive. He did a good job. We're talking about that and chit-chatting about all kinds of stuff. Dr. Real would talk about how's your family, how's your marriage? Let's don't talk about that. Let's talk about putting right now, you know. My daughter went through a real rough time in her life and shared all that with Dr. Real. And he said, man, let's just pray about that right now. On the 13th green at Pebble Creek Golf Course, he's praying with me. That's not where you pray. It's where you putt. He's praying with me on this green, raising his hand to heaven and letting glory shine. In my life, well, he left Southside Christian School after 11 years and got promoted to a, 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 a part of the southern, head of ACSI over the Southern District of, of America, which is Association of Christian Schools International. Bridgeway Christian School is a part of that group. They have hundreds and thousands of schools. Dr. Real is now in charge of that all over the Southeast, and he has a powerful influence in that way. He invited me to join him in what was called a global conference. And I went with him to Orlando, Florida last year 
My son Aaron was leading worship there. He says, you want to come hang out with Aaron a little bit? Hang out with me and kind of help me with some logistical details of the conference? I said, sure. So Becky and I went to Orlando, and they put us up in a nice hotel, and I kind of worked for him during that conference. There were like hundred, I would guess seven or 800 Christian school principals and leaders from around the globe. And I watched Dr. Real on the stage, how he led that conference. And how he had the people at the tables praying about each other's needs and stuff and getting to know people. And I just saw glory just spewing out from this guy as he was leading this organization of people around the globe. After that conference, I believe the people were so amazed at what, how he had led things like that, that the people in ACSI promoted Dr. Real from being the head of the Southeast to now being the head of every Christian school in the United States of America. And he's got that kind of influence from the top down leading Christian education like our wonderful school here at Bridgeway Christian. He's a VP now of ACSI, and I really believe that God's going to make him one day the president of ACSI to the world. Why? Stephen is humble. Stephen is gentle. Stephen has characteristics that I see in his life saying, man, I need a dose of what he has. And he has so impacted me by showing me a person that can demonstrate the glory and the love of God to a person like me that I can simply take it in turn in what he's given me and pass it on to other people that I can meet and come in contact with. I either do that well or I'll cover it up and don't show it to anybody. But I want to do it well. How about you? Want to do it well? Do you believe today that God's given you glory, yes or no? Okay, good. Do you believe then it's for a purpose? Yeah. Do you believe he's going to allow some unusual, what Chad calls divine setups, where you run into a person somewhere that you need to be, where you can, you think you can minister to some people because of that? Yeah. Can you pray with people in unusual places and situations? Yes. I had a lady this morning tell me her husband was sick. They couldn't come to our senior adult Christmas party last night. I could have said, well, bless your heart. Tell him we love him. If I'm showing glory, what should I do? Can we pray for him right now? Yes. And we just humbled right out here and we just prayed for him right now. Why? I want to be alert. I want to have the antenna up saying, where does the glory need to go? And if you'll have that antenna up, God's going to set you up in some amazing ways. Because of time, I can't keep telling you story after story after story. But I've known so many people have done that so very well. And I feel like I'm kind of a kid in kindergarten about it. But boy, by this time next year, I want to graduate from elementary school. I want to grow up and get in middle school about it. I want to go to high school of learning about glory. Then I want to get into the university of glory and learn how the end of my life, more glory can be shown through me, my wife, our family, than all the other years put together. And here's the final verse I'll give you. Here's the verse. It says this. Psalm 96.3 says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous work among all the people. So for this Christmas, worship and adore our wonderful Savior. Don't forget what you learned today. Absorb his brilliance. Absorb his weight. And when you have it, when you've got it, then look for opportunities where you can release it wherever you are. The Bible says, arise and shine, for your light has come. So let's stand up. Let's arise. I want you to take your hands and extend them to heaven today. And I want you to ask God right now to make you a person so full of his glory that it would radiate wherever you go. Father, for every hand in the air, mine included, let us bury the sin of selfishness. 
Let us love you and seek to be deeper friends with you than ever before in our life so that we can take what we have and deposit it in the life of someone else. May we let your glory fill us so we can shine it to a world around. It's in the name of Jesus we ask this today. Amen.